morning we're going to continue to reinforce mindfulness of thoughts. Even in ringing a bell, it's very interesting because you can really see for yourself the difference between thinking of a bell and hearing a bell. Those are two different things, and you can bring awareness to both. Thinking about sounds, thinking about the bell, and just hearing the bell. So I would like to start with uh, uh, reminding you the genesis of thoughts, in case you are wondering where they are coming from. We all want to think, but have you ever asked where thoughts are coming from? So there's a process. The Buddha gave a process that I want to revise if no one has already talked about it. It comes from six senses. You see a, an object, a visual object, and this is eye sensation. And then the meeting of the two uh, brings what you call eye consciousness. In common language, we call that seeing. And from that seeing, we call that called eye contact. I'm just taking one sense of, of, of seeing. So then from eye contact, the coming of the three, feeling arises. From feelings, perception. Then from perception, thinking. And then even more thinking. That one, we've, this process, we find it in a sutta discourse called Hannibal Sutta, Madhupindika Sutta, where the Buddha talks about the process. So is other senses, you know, hearing, and touching also, touch sensations, then you think about them. That's where thoughts come. Sometimes they are disorganized, so they're just random, but we can trace exactly how the thought process starts. It's more complicated, but that's the simplest way to explain how uh, thoughts arises from the time we think, mind objects, all the six senses we think. There's no problem with thinking, but the problem is multiplying your thoughts. The Pali language is called papancha, so you start papanchet, that's a verb. You start adding on and on, but for me, even I'll I like more of multiplying other than adding because when you multiply, it gets bigger. <laughs> In Africa, we call it making a, an elephant from a housefly. That's our African way. <laughs> you make a big elephant. African elephants are big. So from a housefly to a big elephant. I think the English expression is making a molehill out of something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, for us in Africa, we understand it. <laughs> we understand people who punch it, you know. You say something small, they multiply exponentially by two, by three, by hundred. Just a small thing, instead of coming back to the bare stuff, the reality. They really distort the reality. And the Buddha warned us this kind of multiplying, mental proliferation, papancha. 
is very common. We call it yogi mind. <laughs> to simplify things for us here. <laughs> Papanja is quite a mouthful, you know. So, yogi mind. Uh, there's yogi minds here, around here. We have so many yogis. Everyone making a sound. <laughs> Coughing, sneezing, and all these things. People, I don't know what goes on in people's mind, actually. I know for myself, during the retreat like this, uh, you always look for problems. Even somebody sneezing a little bit like this, you make it a problem. We make problem about problems, about having no problems. <laughs> it's on and on. Welcome to samsara. There's a myth in meditation circles where they talk about the purpose of meditation is to have no thoughts. Good luck. <laughs> After this retreat, where is my car? <laughs> I wonder where is home. So, I, dis I debunk that myth. It's not about that. It's about knowing our thoughts, let it go of the uh, uh, unwholesome thoughts, and bring in the wholesome thoughts. And I have an analogy of uh, a window. You put uh, a window mesh, uh, wire, to allow any oxygen to come, but also to stop rubbish from coming in your home. So we want to allow any oxygen, and you want to let go the rubbish. And when it comes to thoughts, a lot of garbage. You, you, don't, you have no idea how much garbage we put in our mind. <laughs> so really the practice is really to be mindful so that we can let in wholesome thoughts and let go the garbage. I'm going to guide you through this. And the proof of the pudding is in eating. Let us start now. I will guide you through that. How to let go the garbage. Okay, let's start now. Sit comfortably, feel at ease. Let go of the past and future. And see if you can settle back in the body, present moment, however you want to start it. Either from the instruction I gave you about starting with the sound to remind us of the natural quality of mindfulness. Mindfulness is not fixing anything. It's just like a mirror showing on showing what's happening now. Hearing. We are not fabricating sound, but simply tune in to either external sound or internal sound. And if there's no sound, don't create it. Now settle back in the body, breath body. And take a few slow deep breaths to oxygenate the blood and relax. The breath has a psychological and physiological effect on the nervous system, on the body, on the mind. So if you can just be mindful of the breath. And as you're breathing, how do you feel? Is there sensation in this breath? 
one breath at a time. Then you come back to the body. The body is sitting here. So once you get grounded, you don't have to create thoughts. They will come by themselves. See if you can identify if you can identify any thought process that's going on. If there are thoughts of the past and present and future. Then you can be mindful of let's say planning. If you are thinking about the future, what will happen after this retreat? What you're going to talk about after this retreat, or what you are going to eat today, that can be a thought that can preoccupy us while we're sitting here. See, just just be aware of thinking. If it's thoughts of the past, simply remembering. Just be aware of remembering. As thought arises, sometimes it's helpful to connect with the sensation. When you have a thought, is there any sensations arising? Because as I told you, the breath is con- uh, the thoughts are connected. Sometimes it starts with the sensation, and then you think what to do about the sensation. Let's say scratching. You have a kind of an itch as a sensation. Then you thinking, you start thinking about it. Oh my dear, this is a life-threatening experience. Should I scratch it or not? It's just a thought. And if you need to scratch an itch, you can just be aware of the intention to scratch and scratch it. Or you can even decide to say, okay, I'm just going to wait for a while until it becomes life-threatening. <laughs> and watching those intentions when there's a sensation, it's really amazing to see what you're going to act or not. Sometimes you don't need to scratch an itch. It will pass on its own. So connecting sensations and thoughts is very, very helpful. And also see if you can connect the thoughts with emotions. Sometimes a thought arises, an emotion, it triggers an emotion. Or the other way around, emotion arising, and it triggers a thought. Especially when it comes to pain. Sometimes there's aversion towards pain. We might think, oh, my leg is going to be amputated. I shouldn't have sat in this posture, full full lotus or what. Thoughts, thinking, making it, multiplying it. 
See if you can just be aware, just thinking. And stay with bare minimum. Thinking. Thinking. Of course, when pain comes, you can always take care of yourself. It's called self-care. And uh, maybe change your posture. But it would be very interesting to explore the thoughts around pain. Sometime pain comes and we add the future pain and become worse. And that triggers thoughts. Well, this is going to be the end of the world. Pain is raging. Sometimes we think about our past pain in last retreats. And if you do simple math, past plus present, it just gets worse. It's all about thoughts. Sometimes connecting the past and present, present with the future. All our thoughts becomes distorted and we forget what's going on in the present moment. It's just thinking. And there's no problem to be aware of thoughts and the thinking process. The problem is to get caught up in thoughts. Actually, thoughts are a powerful object if you can be aware of them. The rising of thoughts, the passing of thoughts, are they staying the same? But if we get caught up in thoughts, we get discouraged, distressed, and stressed. With right mindfulness, we can really be aware of the presence of thoughts and their absence. So see if you can be aware of that space also when there's no thoughts. And that's also practice, to be aware of the absence of thoughts. There's a degree of freedom where you are no longer tormented by these cascading thoughts. If you do find thoughts, see if you can bring the idea of curiosity. What's your attitude of these thoughts? Are you pushing them away or are you indulging in them or are you ignoring them? The best attitude is trying to understand them. All these thoughts are connected to desire, aversion or fear. Can be aware of the changing nature, the impermanence nature of the thoughts. And through this process of awareness of the impermanence nature of thoughts, you begin to disidentify with them. You don't cling on to them. They're just clouds passing the sky, the blue sky. The, th the clouds don't stick in the sky. They just pass through. See if you can let go your thoughts pass through in the sky, in the sky.
moving unhindered without sticking to the blue sky. If mindfulness is not enough, we can employ other methods. The Buddha gave in Vitaka Santana Sutta of how to work with, how to play with destructive thoughts, obsessive thoughts. The first method is to replace them with the opposites. You still need mindfulness to replace them. If the thoughts of anger arises, replace it with loving kindness. Thought of fear, replace it with courage. If it doesn't work, if that doesn't work, you can always go to the second method, which is reflecting. Again, with mindfulness, you reflect. These thoughts lead to distress, to danger. That way, with this kind of awareness, you can disengage with those thoughts. If that, if that doesn't work, you can redirect your mind, maybe come back to the body when you are amidst all these thoughts. You can really come back to the breath, you can come back to the body and give more space or even be mindful of sound, redirect your, your mind to something wholesome. I find the body more grounding when I'm caught up in thoughts, I redirect my mind to the body. That, that if that doesn't work, then I, I retrace where are they coming? Where are these thoughts coming? What's the springboard? Is it am I worried about my past, my fear? What's nourishing these thoughts? Finally. If that doesn't work, I resolve. I make a strong resolve in Pali is called Aditana. Make a strong determination not to be caught up in thoughts and use all the tools that I have in my toolbox to deal with thoughts.
The arising of thoughts is beyond our control. However, mindfulness, right mindfulness of thoughts and thinking process can make a difference between being free from thoughts and being caught up in them. So that's our thought world, <laughs> and uh, I hope you enjoyed the tour. <laughs> there is a scientific research about what keeps people more unhappy and what keeps people more happy. And this book is called The, Happy the How of Happiness by Sonia Bunsky from Stanford University. From that research, they found out that really number one cause of unhappiness is rumination, thinking and thinking about thinking. Read about it. It's amazing. <laughs> Most people think that, thought that, oh, uh, suffering was because of not having this, not having this. And really, our thoughts can keep us unhappy when we have everything. But here we are. We have all the wisdom and mindfulness to deal with our thoughts. Hmm? To decide which thoughts we want to take and which we want to trash. It's like you go to a supermarket and say, I want this whole, whole food. Hmm? <laughs> you say, I'm not going to take this food. So we can, through mindfulness meditation, we can decide for ourselves, oh, this is wholesome thoughts. I want to have a little more of that. A little more loving kindness, a little bit, a little bit of more matter. All these wonderful thoughts, actually, we can decide to take. It's the food of the mind. Food for the mind is thoughts. So, depends. If you want to starve your mind, feed it with unwholesome thoughts. If you want to make it really robust and very strong, you feed it with wholesome thoughts. And the choice is ours. Okay, I have an announcement here. Uh, one is this week, Andrea's practice meetings are in room number five. Should be around here, number five. And Dara's practice meetings are in the yard down there. I think you know that place. Another announcement, today starts linen exchange for all domes. Please read the signs. The signs are all there. You can see clearly. Those are the announcements today. Have I left anything out? Alright, so we go to questions.
this is a good question question for anyone is there is the root of fantasy always delusion of course no uh, these other roots fantasy can come from fear it can come from desire it can come from aversion it can come from ignorance it can come from any mental uh, defilement hmm? desire to be on a let's say the fantasy of going to the beach now and have ice cream it can be mixed you know it's all the above <laughs> A desire to have another seat somewhere which is soft when you have pain. That can have a lot of combination of all these mental defilements. Yeah, let's say let's, let's have a fantasy. Going to beach, maybe that's off the list. Okay, you have a fantasy of sitting in that chair which have good cushions up there. And you're sitting here with pain. So it, had, it can be a combination of three mental states right there in that fantasy. One is desire to go to a new posture, go to the seat. That's one root of your fantasy. Fear, I don't know, we start actually with anger. You are angry with your current position. Where you're sitting, you really say, these spirit rock cushions are terrible. I would have come with my cushion. Actually, one time I blamed the center like that. Every cushion I give me is so hard. <laughs> Can we make good cushions? Come on. <laughs> so, the good news is that for us who you see here, we all have been through some of that. Not all, but all that. You know, yogi mind and all that. So then you have already desire to go to a new posture. You have aversion for the old posture. And you have delusion. The delusion you have is that when you go to the new posture, you're going to have everlasting happiness. <laughs> How about that? Three right there in a moment. It doesn't take actually hours. Within a split second, you can go through all the desire and aversion and delusion. We are not even talked about fear, you know. Could have even also fear there, but that's enough for now. All right, so let's continue with the question. What are some of other nuanced examples of delusion to look out for? Yogis want to look out for something always. <laughs> Especially with our Western critical mind, we cannot just settle in the present moment and say, okay, let's just see what's going to come up. Let's look for something. There must be something. <laughs> something out there. And that's become another fantasy. I mean, why don't you just settle back and relax? Okay, if you want to look out for things, okay, here they are. 
delusion should be distinguished from ignorance. Ignorance is spiritual that kind of uh, blindness. You can't see anything. Delu delusion is more distorted. You have a distorted perception. It's just like you make things upside down. So one of the nuances is instead of th seeing things as impermanent, you see them as permanent. That's delusion. <laughs> instead of seeing happiness, you, I mean, instead of seeing suffering, you see things as happiness. That's another delusion. Instead of seeing things that are selfless and impersonal, you see them as personal, as have a core sense of self. All those are distortion, distorted view. There are so many uh, distortions actually to look out for, but I think from a scripture, you can take that for now. I think what you'll find out that once you have wisdom, uh, if you cultivate continuity of mindfulness, and then you gain concentration, because that's how it goes. Continuity of mindfulness leading to concentration, concentration leading to wisdom. You are going to start to see some of even delusions that we have not mentioned here. But we just give you a template to work with. We give you a template. You will see for yourself, wow, that's a delusion to really desire to have an ice cream while I'm sitting here on a cushion. And where is my key? Uh, I think I'm going to sneak in the evening and go out to this some kind of a place somewhere, you know. So really you find out, wow, with continuity of mindfulness, you find out this is not going to happen in the next one minute or two. You find, wow, how deluded I am. Somebody told me chickens are so deluded, but I don't think so. Chickens, you know. <laughs> so I think they're doing a good job. Uh, I told you, meditate like <laughs> Chickens. <laughs> Intention there, effort is there. When they go to hatch eggs, it's amazing. Roosters, they just make the best intentions to go where the eggs are. They don't really get lost. And they, they don't lose their eggs. And they just say, I can't see my eggs. I'm looking for my eggs. Maybe they're in that little corner. Maybe over there. No, they know exactly where they left their eggs. They put the intention there, right effort to give more warmth to the eggs, and they just wait. Something shows up, you know, <laughs> organically, you know. Anyway, that's enough for this question. I think it's a good question. How do you find right effort? Again, finding. Here we are looking, here we are finding. Same thing. <laughs> Always finding, researching. I think we are all researchers here. It's okay. We can find out something. I'm not really against finding anything. But how can we look at, how can we focus on really looking at this as a process other than looking for results, you know? Just the right efforts. So again, uh, right really means uh, many things. It means that it's all integrated with the noble eightfold path. That means understanding 
uh, right understanding, uh, right uh, mindfulness, and all these things. When they're all uh, really going on very well, especially right mindfulness, right mindfulness actually will bring you to that age where you can see for yourself whether you are over-efforting or not. And the, the good news, here's the good news, is that the body's biofeedback has a bio, bi, is a biofeedback. Bio when you are trying so hard, you feel the restlessness. And when you are so slack, you feel like what I call flat tire syndrome. <laughs> flat tire syndrome. Really, actually, for me, I tap a lot into the body to really tell me what's going on in the mind. In fact, that's why they give instructions. Uh, some instructions, I've had people giving instructions. Uh, you put a matchbox here as you're meditating, like this. And you meditate. And when you, the effort is slack, that means lost and proper, tap, it will fall down. You'll know that you're not applying yourself. You're not giving enough effort. And then if you're over-efforting, and in fact, you, 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 start, you, you start glossing over. I saw it in my practice where I was trying so hard to really be mindful of the rising of the abdomen. It, you slip off, and you really find a little bit of restlessness, a little bit of restlessness. So uh, uh, let me see. How do you find out right effort? You find out, basically. Do your intention there, uh, 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 desire to act, desire to watch the breath, and the intention to watch the breath, have the mindfulness going, have what to call concurrence when the objects you're observing and the observing mind come together, then there's continuity of mindfulness. Then uh, this right effort is going to be something that is going to come out of your practice. It's not that you start breathing in and out, oh, right effort, right is here. I found it. It's in my, I really found it. Let me put it in a pocket. <laughs> no, it's going to be trying from time to time. I want to call this like riding a bicycle. When you learn to ride a bicycle, you try so hard. Sometimes you go on this side too much. Sometimes you go this side too much. I'm not saying about this bicycle you have here in the USA, you have training wheels. But for us in Africa, ooh, my friend, there was no training wheels. We had all the time to fall until we get it. And guess what? Even when we got it, there was still those subtle balances. Yes. I'm not, we are not fixing things here that you have right effort, you're a good yogi, no. It's really through kind of trying and really find your balance, you know. And the good news is that the practice will tell you. So you can count on right mindfulness that you really, uh, it will tell you whether you are really trying too hard or too slow. I mean too, uh, too tight or too tense, too loose. Okay, we continue with the question. I feel like I vacillate between too tight and too, too loose. Mind wandering and sloth and sleepiness. I've already told you that actually the hindrance will set in if you are too, trying to try too much or too little. The, you will really feel how the mind looks like. 
our mind is like a car, you know. If you are accelerating a lot, it changes the voice. And the car will tell you, you know, whether you're in high gear or slow gear, it can always tell you. Maybe that's not a proper analogy, but who cares? <laughs> anyway, you got it. There is actually a very good, a very good uh, uh, in the scriptures. We find it in the scriptures. We find it. Uh, it's called Venerable Sona. Venerable Sona became a monk, and you, he he didn't even lift a finger before he became a monk because he came from a rich family. Hmm? He came from a rich family. And one time, a Buddha came here. He found somebody walking. Uh, I mean, he found the path was full of blood. And he asked the monks, who has been walking here? They said, well, there's a monk here who just came. And he really tried so hard to walk. And then all the blood was on the, left on the walking path. The Buddha identified the monk. He's called Venerable Sona. And they sat down with him and said, okay, what was your job before you became a, a monk? He said, oh, no, I used to be a musician. And what, then the Buddha asked him, what kind of uh, instrument you used to, you, to play? He said, the lute, Indian lute, Indian lute. And that's what he used to play. He said, okay, what happened if the strings were too tight? Oh, the music was not coming out very well. What about when it was too loose? Oh, music was not coming out very well. Said, please practice not to lose, not to tight. So it's amazing. Two thousand six hundred years ago, this is happening. So it's really the same mind. So you can check for yourself in your body and your mind when you feel that it's too loose or too tight. You have the body to check with, to tell you, okay, it's not a producing good music. <laughs> it's not producing good mindfulness. So it will tell you, use the board as a biofeedback. This time we have 12, okay. Okay, does one need to consciously acknowledge the experience of register? Mm. Acknowledging. This this time not finding what, but acknowledging. Okay. S uh, surprise Surprise associated with inside moment. Aha. Oh, okay. Does one need to consciously acknowledge the experience to register surprise associated with inside moment? Aha. You can't say aha, aha, aha all the time. No way. <laughs> all you want to have to do is settle back. And just experience. Why not experiencing? <laughs> I think we want to dra dramatize our experience, I think. I think so. This is a very classic question, actually. I like it very much. It would be wonderful to say, aha, all the time. <laughs> but these are insights. <laughs> how, how often is enlightening, in what's called lightning comes, and you say, aha. It's just in a moment, right there. You don't have to say, aha, 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 to enlighten. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. You just have to be right there.
or is the direct premental registration enough? We are not doing premental registration. Here we are not, uh, this question goes, is the direct premental registration enough? You are just mindful, just right there, right? So don't really make it hard. The instructions are very simple. Just be aware of whatever is arising directly. No, just, okay, noting something before it comes. Because you put the word premental. No, no, no. All these premental thing, no, just leave them alone. Pre-boarding, pre -boarding, you know, like in the airplane. That's <laughs> really that pre-boarding. It's just boring. <laughs> <laughs> we have one minute, just for one minute, only one minute. I have to end it at 12. Okay. If new important phenomena appear in awareness, will there be a natural registration investigation or should one be diligent, apply mind, mind to investigate? No, just really. Sometimes it's good to have a, a, a little bit of in investigation because that's one of the factors of, of enlightenment, the seven factors of enlightenment, investigation. Sometimes just be straight, just be aware, you know. And uh, this investigation, again, don't keep it investigation like a, a private investigator, you know. Really, there are a few things that we need to investigate. What's the cause and effect? Is it rising? Is it passing away? Is it staying the same? Uh, the letting of it. So uh, don't really make it into a project this kind of uh, practice, really, whereby you really make it more difficult for yourself. So just a little investigation is okay, right, in terms of those areas we have given you. Uh, but you cannot really know the ancestors of all what's arising. Uh, all these causes, you know. I think that's enough for today. Thank you very much for these wonderful questions. Continue your practice. May you have more kindfulness, more mindfulness, more metafulness, more compassionatefulness, and all these kind of things. So you have a wonderful day in short. Thank you very much for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.